Welcome. First of all, welcome. This is Unsolicited Perspectives. I'm Bruce Anthony, your host here to lead the conversation in important events and topics that are shaping today's society. Join the conversation by following us wherever you get your audio podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to get the video version of our podcast. Rate, review, like, comment, share. Share with your friends, share with your family, hell, even share with your enemies. On today's episode, I'll be giving you my take on the Stephen A. Smith, Jason Whitlock Whitlock controversy. Don't worry if you don't know who they are. I will break that all down for you. And then we'll be talking about my dating life. But that's enough of the intro. Let's get to the show. I am going to get to the Shannon Sharp and, excuse me, I keep saying Shannon Sharp, the Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock controversy. But I had a couple of things that I want to get off my chest before I get there. I was going to create a whole segment on uh, Mississippi, and I decided against it because I'm tired of, I'm tired of giving news. I'm tired of talking about bad stuff that Republicans do. I'll get to the point of this. So uh, Mississippi recently just ended the the food program for, you know, kids that are poor. They they have the lunch program that they typically have in school is year round, though, which means that they could get it during the summertime, which helps families that can't uh, that depend on the fact that they are getting their kids lunch. Right. It's a government funded system. And Mississippi government decided that they were going to do away do away from that, and they are tired of creating welfare entitlements. And it just really, really agitated me because this is the same governor. This is the same governor, and a this is all allegations. There's so much smoke there that the place is burning up. So this governor governor is tied into a welfare scandal with Brett Favre. Yes, that Brett Favre, the former quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, in which they took $5 million, allegedly, allegedly, $5 million in funds meant for poor and disenfranchised families in Mississippi so that they could build a volleyball stadium at the University of Southern Mississippi where Brett Favre's daughter goes to school. So we have here in a situation where also Mississippi has passed so many anti-abortion laws, right? So we have here a situation where on one hand, these Republicans, because this is a Republican governor, Republican uh, led legislator. We have on one hand where these Republicans say, we want to protect the kids, right? We want to protect life. That's the reason why we're anti-abortion. We want to keep writing these uh, anti-drag and anti-LGBTQ plus kids because supposedly drag queens and people in the LGBTQ plus community are child molesters, even though nobody has found a case of this yet. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the case that proves that something where there is, there's proof of that, because I can tell you where there is proof. There's proof in the church. There's proof in the school systems. There's proof in law enforcement that there's been child molesters, but nevertheless, Republicans are so steadfast on protecting children. And here you go, an opportunity to feed children, to feed needy children. And they strip the programs away saying that they don't want to create, they don't want to continue on with these welfare entitlements, all the while taking money from these systems to fund, allegedly, allegedly taking money from these systems to fund volleyball stadiums. Okay. 
So I was going to do a whole segment about that. I decided against it because I'm already fired up about the segment between Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock. And I have things and parallels that I'm going to draw there. Uh, And then we're going to talk about my dating life. But I want to also thank everybody that's been following us and subscribing to our YouTube page. We're almost at 2,500 people, uh, subscribers on our YouTube page. And for a lot of you people out there that are saying, well, that's not a lot. This person I follow on YouTube has 1 million followers. They're celebrities, number one. Number two, this is literally a grassroots growth. This is organic growth. So the fact that uh, you know we went from one to almost 2,500 in a span of uh, 365 days, it's pretty good doggone growth. And it's really exploded over the last couple of months. So I want to thank everybody like that. Uh, thank everybody who is downloading the audio podcast. Those numbers continue to grow and spread from all over the world. And uh, I cannot be more grateful and more thankful for all of your support. Just the 100th episode that uh, me and my sister did a couple of weeks ago got well over a thousand views uh, and still climbing. So, hey, really appreciative for everything that you're doing, for every, for, for following us, for supporting us. Continue on listening and watching. We're going to keep giving you this content. All right. Now, enough with all that. Let's get to the Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock thing. But before I get there, I want to give a little brief history on the term Uncle Tom. Now, some people out there might understand what Uncle Tom is. Some people don't. They've heard it before, but maybe they don't understand really what it is. So Uncle Tom is a term that we use in the black community to describe a person that uh, doesn't really support black causes or black people. I, I can't think of an equivalent for other. I, I probably could think of an equivalent of other races, but I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But uh, Uncle Tom is a derogatory term in the black community. If you're called in Uncle Tom, that's really, really not a good thing. The only thing worse than being called Uncle Tom is Judas or child molester. That's that's absolute worse. Um, but, you know, just speaking in terms of people who betray uh, Judas would be the only thing right below Uncle Tom. And it's funny because just like the word woke, Uncle Tom and how it's meant now and how it's described now was not the original meaning. And I know you guys are thinking to yourself, Bruce, what is the purpose of bringing up Uncle Tom and then bringing up Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock? Don't worry, I'll get there. So the uh, Uncle Tom character was introduced uh, in a novel called Uncle Tom's Cabin. And here's a description of the character. The character was seen by many readers as a groundbreaking, a groundbreaking humanistic portrayal of a slave, one who uses non-resistance and gives his life to protect others who have escaped from slavery. All right, so right there, we see that Uncle Tom isn't originally what, what isn't originally what we perceive it to be today. Right. Because an Uncle Tom would be considered as a person that was snitching on slaves trying to escape. This is not the case of the original Uncle Tom character. In the novel Uncle Tom Cabin, Uncle Tom is depicted as a heroic figure, a slave who maintains his integrity and refuses to betray his fellow slaves in the cost of his own life. 
here are some key elements about the book, and I'm just going to give a quick synopsis. So the book starts as he rescues little Eva while he's being transported to an auction in New Orleans. So Tom is about to be is about to be auctioned off as a slave, and he saves this little white girl. He, this impresses uh, little Eva's father so much that her father decides to purchase him. Throughout the process of this book, Eve and Uncle Tom, or Thomas, uh, develop this really strong connection um, who he shares a devout uh, Christian bond with. This, there's a lot of Christian themes in this book, but little Eve dies, and on her deathbed, uh, she asks her father to free all the slaves that he that he that he has. Right? Uh, he actually dies before he's able to free all the slaves in the book. And then Tom is sold to a vicious plantation owner. Um, fast forward, um, Tom befriends a, a 15 year old girl um, that is also a slave. Um, and then down the line, a few slaves escape. They capture Tom. Tom doesn't try to escape, but they 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 hold Tom and try to get him to confess and and snitch on the escaped slaves. He doesn't do it, and they actually beat him to death. This is the character arc in the Uncle Tom book, right? Um, it's based off of uh, a real life. It has real life inspiration from a former enslaved uh, man named Joshua Henson, who was living in Canada that wrote his memoir. Why is this novel important? This novel is important because it increased Northern abolitionism. It brought slavery into the limelight uh, like never, like nothing had ever done before. So this book was written in 1858. So this is this is really before uh, the Civil War, right? Um, the the novel exposed uh, the immorality of slavery. Why they needed a novel to expose this? But sometimes things are right in front of your face and you don't see them. Um, so it's characters depicted the daily lives of what slavery is like, which was uncomfortable. The, the, the closest thing I can compare to the impact this book had on the people during this time period that kind of gave them a real insight into slavery is Bloody Sunday. That's when um, the first march in Selma, they had the they were attacked and beaten and it was shown on uh, national news. Uh, and it opened the eyes to a lot of people in white America that realized, well, wait a minute, we we really didn't realize black people really had it this bad. I don't know why they would think that, but it opened their eyes. And then George Floyd, George Floyd, that murder also opened a lot of people's eyes to police brutality to the black community. So that's, that's essentially what this book did. It opened their eyes to uh, uh, slavery, right? Because in the North, they didn't really have slavery. There were no slave states in the North. That was a Southern thing. It's not like it is now where you could travel to all these states really easily. What was going on in the South, they had no idea about. So this gave them an eye-opening experience of slavery. Um, it also influenced the politics of Britain, which started to diminish um, their support for the Southern cause. And we know that the South really lost the war because British took away their support because they didn't support uh, slavery, despite the fact that they uh, were colonizing the majority of Africa and the Middle East. But th that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. There was a cultural impact of this book. Listen to what the South did. They banned it. 
It was also banned by the Vatican, by the, Vatican, by the way. So they, the South banned the book. Why? Because it showed sympathetic character Uncle Tom. That was his name. His Uncle Tom's cabin. They showed the sympathetic black character who was a slave who not only saved a little white girl, uh, but also saved uh, other escaped slaves by not giving them up. Think Denzel Washington the Equalizer or Man of Fire. You know, that that's essentially what Uncle Tom was in this book. All right. Okay. How did we get to the point where Uncle Tom was this heroic figure, but then becomes this derogatory term that is used to describe a person as being disloyal to their people now? Well, quite simply, Uncle Tom became a character in minstrel shows, which went did a complete 180 from his original conception of being a hero and made him a shifling buffoon that was catering to white people and, and docile and eager to please. It was a stark contrast from the original character. This led to a lot of civil rights leaders, right? It wasn't just the white depiction of Uncle Tom. The white depiction of Uncle Tom had such an effect on civil rights leaders that they started using that term to describe the black person that was against the advancement of black people. So that's how we got there. What was the original term for woke? It was to stay awake on those long rides in the South to make sure that you don't get pulled over by the cops because something bad could happen to you if you were black. That's what being woke was. Now, well, woke now, as described by a lot of people, is basically anti-black. That's how we get to Uncle Tom being derogatory. And so I know everybody is out there saying, Bruce, wait a minute. Okay, you did this whole intro about Uncle Tom, but you said you were going to talk about Stephen A. Smith and the Jason Whitlock controversy. When are you going to get to that? Actually, I'm going to get to it next. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness, or gearing up for festival seasons, or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, Let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouthwater and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, 
and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest. But it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives. Okay, 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 okay. I prolonged the talk about this enough. I'm finally going to get to it. We're going to talk about Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock. But first, for those people who don't know who these two people are, before I get into this controversy surrounding them, let me give you a little background on both Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock. Stephen A. Smith, he was born October 14th, 1967 in the Bronx, New York, graduated from Winston-Salem State University with a bachelor's of arts degree in mass communication, started his career with Winston-Salem Journal, the Greensboro News and Record, and the New York Daily News, became a general sports columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer in 1994. He started his television career on CNN SI in 1999, hosted a daily hour-long show on ESPN called Quite Frankly with Stephen A. Smith from August 2005 to January 2007. He's currently, he's the featured commentator and executive producer of ESPN's First Take, an analyst on NBA Countdown, and a host of NBA in Stephen A.'s World. That's Stephen A. Smith. Jason Whitlock, he was born April 27, 1967. In Indianapolis, Indiana, he played Division I college football at Ball State as an offensive lineman, started his career part-time for the Herald Times in Bloomington, Indiana. His first full-time job was a reporter for the Charlotte Observer. He joined the Ann Arbor News in 1992 and spent two years covering the University of Michigan, hired by the Kansas City Star in 1994, worked for ESPN in 2002, writing a weekly column for ESPN.com's Page 2, left ESPN for AOL Sports in 2006, returned to Fox Sports as a columnist and an on-air personality in October 2015. Currently, he hosts a program for the conservative media company Blaze Media titled Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Okay. Remember the whole first segment where I was talking about Uncle Tom? Think about the meaning of it now. Think about the meaning of it originally. And now I've given you a background of Jason Whitlock and Stephen A. Smith. There's an important note that I purposely left out in Jason Whitlock's career because I'm going to tackle it in a few minutes. But let's give a really good rundown of 
Jason Whitlock's career, because a lot of people kind of know who Stephen A. Smith is. He's a very visible person. He's been he's also been on a character on General Hospital. Um, he's all over the Internet and television. So if you know anything about sports, you know who Stephen A. Smith is. Jason Whitlock is another sports commentator, writer that you might not know about, but he was given a very, very important assignment by ESPN years ago, and it didn't really go that well. It went left. So um, he was the executive producer, is the editor, the main editor of The Undefeated. And uh, he was hired to be the founding editor of The Undefeated, a website that focuses on the intersection of race and sports. This was a long time ago. This was in like the two, 2010s. He now remind, like think about that for a second. He's a black writer. Stephen A. Smith is a black writer. I didn't point that out in the beginning. For those people that don't know, they're both black writers. And he was giving the position of the founding editor of The Undefeated. And that was a website that specifically focused on the intersection of race and sports. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more, but he made some remarks while he was the editor at The Undefeated. And some of his remarks included his suggestion that some black people are more comfortable working for a white person than a black person. Uh, and uh, he said that if anybody had an issue taking orders from a black person, speaking to the other black writers uh, that had an issue working for him, that he would hire a white person that could give them orders. Because he said that some black people have an issue with taking orders from black people and that they really would only take orders from white people. This this is one of his comments that he made. Okay. Uh, Certain writers, prominent writers, prominent black writers refused to work with them on Undefeated. Prominent black writers like Jamel Hill, Howard Bryant, Chris Broussard, and then Stephen A. Smith. Now, when I give you those names, if you're not familiar with those names, that's okay, because maybe you don't pay attention to sports, but they are highly influential black people, black writers in the, in the space of sports uh writing sports commentary. They are the who's who. If there was a if there was a Mount Rushmore of black sports writers currently, currently, uh three of these four people would be on it. The only other person that I would put on there would be Bomani Jones. And I don't really know who I'm going to take off, right? So let's just say top five, not even a Mount Rushmore. They would be those four and then Bomani Jones. Um, and they all refused to work with Jason Whitlock uh, on the undefeated. But Jason Whitlock has had some other controversies. Um, remember I said that he's on a conservative media platform right now uh, called Blaze Media. That's his, and, and, and part of that is because some of his statements in the past have been, uh, he's made um, comments about women's sports, including his views on the women's right to vote, the lack of interest in women's sports, women in sports broadcasting, and a U.S. soccer team. Well, what exactly did he say? His views on women's right to vote. Whitlock suggested that women, who he believes have the greatest responsibilities as mothers and nurturers, must not necessarily be those who should help govern societies. He defended life before suffrage, arguing that the vote used to represent the family and that there was only one 
there was only a need for one vote per household. So he doesn't believe that women should have the right to vote. Whit Whitlock stated that women's sports do not uh, suffer from a lack of support, but rather from a lack of interest. And he argued that disparity in interest between men's and women's sports is directly tied to inherent physical and mental differences between men and women. Okay, let me break that down for you. He says that the only reason why people don't really watch women's sports is because men can play sports and women can't. Now, I'm paraphrasing here, but you can you could see from his comments that that's pretty much what he's saying, right? Once again, these are all Jason Whitlock's statements, not Stephen A. Smith, Jason Whitlock. Jason Whitlock has been criticized for his comments about women in sports broadcasting. He was accused, he was accused of stirring up anger over the pre uh, presence of women on SportsCenter. So he believes that basically, once again, I'm paraphrasing, women should be barefoot, pregnant, stay at home, and don't do, quote unquote, what he considers man jobs. Very misogynistic, okay? Uh, he also expressed uh, that he finds it to be unpatriotic to root for the U.S. women's national team uh, during the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia. He described them as an unlikable group of players who hate America. Now you kind of see where all this is going as far as why he's on a conservative media outlet. I have to remind you yet again, the reason why I'm bringing all this up He's a black man, okay? So not only is he a misogynist, but he also talks down a group against his people. There's been repeated instances with his sports commentary where he's talked down about black people, saying black people aren't smart enough to be quarterback. All the conservative, white conservative talking points about black people, he backs up. He says them himself, okay? Um, he says the reason why he was let go at ESPN, this is his claim, that the real reason why he was fired by ESPN is because they don't agree with his masculine representation, that they only want a castrated men. And, and so because he's so masculine, because he's such a man's man, they had to let him go. It, it, it couldn't have been the fact that nobody wanted to work with him, men or women, black or white. Nobody wanted to work with him, except for like ultra conservatives and Sage Still. Sage Still is a, a former uh, sports center uh, host and she's black and she also has really strong conservative uh, values. And there's nothing wrong with people having conservative values. A lot of people in the black community have conservative values. This is the under this is the little secret that Republicans don't know. A lot of black people would be Republican. Except for the fact that. Republicans harbor a lot of racists in their party, in their party, always have. And they don't really want black people in their party. As long as there's a white majority in this country, Republicans really aren't reaching out for the vote. The only people of color that they will actually reach out for the vote are Latino people and more specifically Cuban uh, Latino people. Uh, but that you know, a lot of black people are conservative because a lot of conservative values are steeped in the church and the church is a very, very important institution in the black community. So a lot of black people are conservative, but that doesn't mean that they go against their people. And Jason Whitlock kind of does that. All right. <laughs> now it's time to get to how all this beef started. 
Stephen A. just wrote, just released a memoir about his life about a year ago. And Jason Whitlock on his own show decided to attack Stephen A. Smith, specifically after the whole Cat Williams going on, Shannon Sharp saying that, hey, we're releasing truths now in, in the year 2024. And like he was going to release some truths. And he basically accused Stephen A. Smith of lying in his memoir. Stephen A. Smith agitated, saying that Jason Whitlock has been attacking him for years and ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. When he called him a liar, when Jason Whitlock called him a liar and said that he made false statements about his life in his book, Stephen A. Smith went on his podcast and he basically went at uh, Jason Whitlock, calling him a snake, bringing up the fact that nobody wanted to work with him at the Undefeated, bringing up the fact that uh, he's worse than a white supremacist, uh, calling him a fat uh, B-I-T-C-H. Uh, no, he called him a B-I-T-C-H, and then he called him a fat ass. And Jason Whitlock is morbidly obese. Um, and so that's what happened. And, and a lot of you people are going to say, well, Bruce, I don't really understand what the big deal is. Why did you need to bring this up as a topic of discussion? Why is this on your show? And that's because a lot of my black friends, not a lot, there's a few of my black friends that after the Cat Williams uh, appearance on Shannon Sharp's podcast, Club Shay Shay, and a week later, you have Jason Whitlock attacking Stephen A. Smith. You have two prominent black figures in Cat Williams and Jason Whitlock attacking other black figures. And I told him, well, the Cat Williams thing is a little bit different. These were, pe- these were things that people said about him, and he's responding. Uh, Jason Whitlock attacking Stephen A. Smith and Stephen A. Smith responding in kind. Yeah, okay. It's two black men going at it. But I was like, so what? Like, why does it have to be two black men going about it and it's making the whole community look bad? I was like, white people attack each other all the time. Are you paying attention to the to the Republican presidential candidate race? Like, like white people attack it. People, by and large, attack people all the time. There's no reason to keep this stuff behind closed doors. And and no, and there's no reason to bring up the 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 old saying of crabs in a barrel, because fact of the matter is, and for those people that don't understand what crabs in a barrel is, you put a bunch of crabs in a barrel, they will climb over top of each other to try and get out. Meaning that people will try to stomp and climb over top of each other just to make it to the top. And I was like, look, crabs in a barrel has been a black community saying for generations, but fact of the matter is crabs in a barrel applies across the board to everybody. But specifically when talking about Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock, the importance of me bringing up Uncle Tom is because the very first thing a lot of people in the black community wanted to do was call Jason Whitlock and Uncle Tom. And in our today's definition of the word Uncle Tom, he definitely fits the bill because there's nothing that he does that supports the black community. And okay, guess what? If you make it and you're successful as a black person, you don't have to go back and give back. You don't. And that's well within this right. That alone doesn't make somebody a quote unquote Uncle Tom. What makes somebody an Uncle Tom is when they make it to the top and then 
they sh shit on everybody that's a part of their community that isn't there. They turn their back on their community. Like their community wasn't the ones that helped support them along the way. That would be described as Uncle Tom. But I want to go away from using that word anymore to describe a Judas to your community. I don't want to use Uncle Tom anymore. I want to take back and reclaim the term Uncle Tom because that was not his original intent. And through minstrel shows and downplaying, they took away the original meaning and the original purpose and the original importance of Uncle Tom. We're not going to use that term Uncle Tom to describe somebody that's a Judas to their community. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to call it Uncle Clarence or Jason Whitlock. All right, we were dealing with a lot of serious subject matter and very rarely do I attack people, but uh, I really don't like Jason Whitlock. But, you know, I, I wanted to give the history of Uncle Tom and talk about Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock and why it has some form uh, of importance for not only the black community, but throughout society, because every group of people have these type of Judas to their communities. Um, that's enough of serious talk. Let's get into some light fare, sort of light fare. Let's get into my dating life. So a lot of questions that we got that I wouldn't answer on the 100th episode, and I'm still not going to answer them, um, were pertaining to my and my sister's dating life. And they were like, you know, some questions like, we know you've been married. Will you tell us what happened? No, that's between me and people that, that know my ex-wife and my ex-wife. I'm not going to betray her by telling you all the story. Besides, it would only be one-sided, right? It would be my version of the story. There's my version of the story. There's her version of the story. And then there's the truth in there, leaning more towards my story. But but nevertheless, there's the truth in there. So I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about the women that I've dated recently or am talking to or seeing right now. Like that, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into my type. That I do have a particular type. I do. And a lot of people out there think they know what my type is, but that's not what it is. Um, I do have a type. A, a type. No, I'm not going to describe it uh, because I don't want nobody in my DMs. If, if you know, if I, if I see somebody I want to talk to, I'll just go talk to them. I don't want nobody in my DMs. Um, so, Bruce, if you're not going to answer all these questions about your dating life, then what are you going to talk about your dating life? I'm going to talk about how I envy couples. I do. I've been divorced for 12 years now, and I consider myself single because you're either single or you're married. For those people that are in a relationships, dating and engaged, you are technically single, right? Uh, so that's what I consider single. I have not been engaged. I actually thought about it. Somebody asked me a question and they said, have you ever, have you fallen in love since then? And there was one girl that I told I loved and I did really care about her, but I didn't love her. Um, so no, I have not been in love or loved somebody outside of, you know, family and friends, uh, but in a dating world in the last 12 years, that's not, some people are going to go out there and be like, Oh, Bruce, I feel sorry for you. Don't feel sorry for me. Like I'm cool. I've definitely dated a lot in the, in the 12 years and I've had girlfriends and things of that nature, but that's 
not what I envy about couples, right? Like I'm single, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Um, I think a lot of people out there will go out in dating sites and I haven't been on dating sites in years. Like I, I won't go back on a dating site. Um, but a lot of people will get on these dating sites. It will, you know, they'll shut it down and they'll restart it. And it's based off the fact that they're lonely. A lot of people have hard times being with themselves. I love being with myself. Let me tell y'all something. I sit in my place all day long. I will sit and thought I will crack myself up. I will have full-blown conversations with myself. Am I borderline personality disorder? The fact that I can have full-blown conversations and arguments with myself? Maybe. I don't know. But there's never a dull moment in my head or in my house. So I'm never alone. I do miss my dog. Um, so in that regard, I am alone now. But I, I'm never, ever lonely. I am somebody who seeks who has complete solace in, in his aloneness. Um, so it's not that, that I'm envious of couples. What I'm envious of couples, why? Because they get to split their bills in half or at least a third. That's what I really miss about being a couple. These bills, these bills out here are killing me. Now, I can afford my, my standard of life. I'm not saying I'm having a hard time financially because I'm far from it. I'm just saying these bills by a single person is complicated. I got all these married couples and all these couples that are that are living together and they're complaining about their finances. And I'm like, you have it easy. There is somebody else that is putting something on it. They putting something on it. I ain't got nobody putting nothing on anything. I would love it. I would love it if a person came in. I'm not going to tell y'all exactly what I spend on my rent, but I would love it if a person came in and gave me an extra thousand dollars a month. All I got to do is share my space with them because I've dated women who have been in my space for long periods of time. And when I mean periods of time, like days, right? Like I had one, one of the last girls I dated before Christmas, because we didn't spend Christmas together. And she was technically my girlfriend. We didn't spend Christmas together. But she was here for like five days, six days before Christmas just to spend time with me because we knew like the Christmas Christmas and the days following Christmas, we really wanted to see each other. So she wanted to come over to my place, even though she had her own place. She wanted to come over to my place because it's just easier because I had the dog. And she spent five, six days here. And she came in and it was her idea to rearrange my place. What I meant by that is, is make it a little bit more tidy because I have stuff all over the place to kind of streamline, basically do a spring cleaning. And she was in my space for a long period of time. So I'm okay with people being in my space because I can, you know, I'm pretty much chill. I'll pour myself a little drink, play some music. You know, I can, I can create an environment where my place is a vibe. If anybody follows my personal Instagram and well, a lot of the personal Instagram now is, is basic clips from the show. But if you scroll down and you see like the vibe of my place, like my place is a, is a whole vibe. My best friend, I just put up new lights and my best friend was like, your place is a vibe. And I'm like, it is. It is a vibe. So you come over here. We hang out. It's going to be a vibe. It's so it's cool. Like I can have people in my space. That's not a big deal. What I would really love is if person was in my space, give me an extra thousand dollars a month. Do you know what an extra $12,000 a year would do to my life? And these couples are out here just living their life, splitting bills. I'm just talking about 
$1,000, which is putting something on my rent. I'm not talking about splitting. That doesn't include the utilities. That doesn't include food or the grocery bill. That doesn't include the cable bill. That doesn't include a cell phone bill. Like it doesn't include any of that stuff. I'm just talking about an extra G. You know what I'm saying? Some on rent. I'm envious. So, so I'm, I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, I'm turning over a new leaf in 2024. Something that I will admit openly to y'all out here. Cause y'all, y'all family now, you know what I'm saying? Y'all helping the podcast grow. Y'all family. I could talk to you, America, not only America, Canada, uh, United Kingdom, Africa, Asia, everybody's listening. So, uh, you know, this is out to everybody. I can let y'all know we family. I'm a bit of a romantic. Years ago, some friends of mine said that they could have marital bliss with anybody. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you can have marital bliss with anybody. Like there has to be some connections, but I've always thought in terms of the one. And I've made some poor decisions thinking that I found the one because certain things happened and I thought, oh, this is kismic. This is supposed to be. Case in point, my ex-wife, we went to the same college. We did not know each other in college. We went to the same bars. We never ran into each other. At least we never thought that we ran into each other. I always thought it was these serendipitous moments where I would be getting a drink at the bar and I would get my drink and then turn around. And as I'm turning my back one way, she's walking past me, my back turn, and she's going to the bar to get a drink. I mean, there were so many of these connections. Her family, she grew up in the same town that a lot of my family still lives and where I visit often. Like there was all, all these connections of our life that we never even met, right? All these parties that we attended. And I knew that we were attending the same parties and we never crossed paths. We randomly crossed paths in this bar, in this area that neither one of us are connected to. And the only reason why I'm in the bar is because my family is in town because the Bears was in the Super Bowl. My family is in town. So I'm staying at my parents' house, which is not in this town where this bar is. It's a few towns, a few uh, towns over. And she's only at this bar because her friend lives there and she's just staying the night randomly because she lives in Baltimore, right? So when we met, I was like, oh, this is serendipitous. And she was the second girl that I ever dated. And the first real girl that was legitimately like it wasn't just a sexual attraction. I was like, yo, this girl is cool. Even one of my main boys who is super judgy on people was like, yo, she's kind of dope. Don't mess this one up. When he gave me the stamp of approval, and I say this to him all the time, it was his fault. When he gave me the stamp of approval, I was like, oh, I got to follow through with this. Because why I'm a hopeless romantic looking for the one. Every every single, look, there have been so many times where I've had the choice of two women, two women, and I always choose the wrong woman. I should have always chose the other one for various different reasons, but it's just like, oh, this is, the way we met is kismic. This is supposed to be. Why? Because I believed in the one. 2024, changed my whole philosophy. Don't care about finding the one. I've given up on the one. I don't care if I even fall in love again. I want to fall in like and get some tax breaks. That's 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 what I'm aiming for in 2024. Find the one, find the one that I like that'll give me some tax breaks. She got her own money. And now I'm getting to the age where I need somebody to live with me just in case I have a medical emergency. Cause you know, I'm in my mid-40s now. 
heart attacks and, and seizures and, and strokes, they happen to men around my age, you know, and I live alone. I don't even have a dog anymore to warn people on the outside. It's just me. So if something happened to me, like nobody's going to really know unless my the people that I work with, they'll just be like, where the hell is Bruce? Maybe they'll check in on me. Maybe they won't. I don't know. So, so yes, I, I know what everybody's thinking. Bruce, what you're describing is a caretaker that pays you to live that pays you to live with them or for them to live with you. And okay. Yeah, sure. I'll take that. (laughs) Like the idea of the romance. Sure. I haven't given up on romance. I'll never give up on romance. Why? Because I'm romantic. I'm a romantic. That's who I am. I got a lot of love to give. That's the reason why I kind of do this show. It's all love. When I talk, when I talk about even Republicans, I don't think all, all Republicans are bad. No. It's absolutely not the case. I call people out on their hypocrisy. There are good Republicans out there who I actually really admire and like. And even though I may have disagreed with their particular stances, I still feel like I can learn something from them. I'm all about love. I'm all about love. Except for, you know, certain people like Clarence Thomas. That's the reason why we say Uncle Clarence, because it was based off Clarence Thomas and Jason Whitlock, except for those people. But I'm all about love. So I'm never going to give up on love. That's never going to happen. I just know that sometimes you can you can love somebody that you didn't think that you was going to love. Right. Like the whole idea of being in love, that doesn't really last being in love. You're not you're not in love with somebody for a long period of time. And a lot of people get that confused with being in lust. A lot of people are out here in lust, confusing that with love. No. You just want to bump uglies. You don't you don't really love the person. You just want to bump uglies. And I get it. I've been in lust many a times. I'm in lust pretty much every day because uh, I find somebody and I'm like, oh, she's really cool. No, I just want to bump uglies with her. Sometimes they are really cool, but a lot of times I want to bump uglies. So um, sorry, mom, by the way, I know my mom's listening. Uh, so I apologize about that. She's the only one that would really get offended by that. But uh, it's the truth. And, uh, you know, we've already admitted that your son used to be a hoe. My sister, you know, blatantly said that on the 100th episode, I said I was a reformed hoe. I'm reformed now. Um, I'm actually a demisexual. So that's going to freak a lot of people out. And they were like, Bruce, what the hell is a demisexual? Well, this isn't the the textbook definition of a demisexual. But a demisexual is somebody who can't have a physical connection with them unless there's an emotional connection with them. So in other words, can I have a drunken one night stand? Yes, I could still have a drunken one night stand just because that's a drunken one night stand. But can I have like, can I continuously be physically intimate with somebody that I don't actually have a true emotional connection to? No. I cannot do that anymore. In order for me to have a physical attraction to somebody, I have to have an emotional connection with them. So all these women out here that are just like, Bruce, the hoe, he just went ahead and quit it. No, I don't. Because if you're not cool and I don't dig you as a person, I don't even want to be bothered with you. So yes, that all of that is taking place. That's the reason why I said falling in like. I want to fall in like and have somebody that's got their own money, Right. Uh, they own ambitions. They got to have some ambitions. I know I'm not talking about that. They got to aspire to be these certain things, but it, she, they got to want to aspire to the ambition to continue, continuously evolve as a person, right? Like that's really important to me because that's, that's literally the thesis of my life is to continue to evolve as a person. 
So that's where we at in 2024. You know, gone are the days of me chasing after fine ass women. Now, if you happen to be fine and you got all those other qualifications and I can actually be friends with you and like you as well as be sexually attracted to you, that's a plus. Like, I'm not going to turn that down. I'm going to still take that up, take that offer up. You know, I'm not going to pass that up. However, the idea that I need to continuously look for the, the, the one, have I given up on that? Ugh. I can't say that I have. Like I said, I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm not going to give up on the one. The one, I mean, it, it, may, it, it may not happen until I'm 70. And maybe I've already had the one and it was just a brief moment of time. You know, a lot of people talk about, Bruce, are you affected because you broke up with this girl? You had a divorce and this and that and, they, and this and that and the other. And I said, well, I used to think of them as failures. I can't remember where I, where I heard this, but they're not failures. Those are successful relationships. There's a beginning and an end to everything, Right. It was successful for a long period of time. If we dated, if we, if you're listening to the show, and there's a couple of there's there's more than a few women that I've dated or have a romantic past with that listen or watch the show. Uh, they still support me, and I love that. I love the fact that there aren't women out there. There probably are some, you know. There probably are some because what the story that we didn't tell is a story of my sister following me in high school. I graduated and the next year she came in as a freshman and there was a whole group of women that were hating on them. And I was like, I don't even know who these women are, but supposedly I had done some stuff to them um, and done some stuff, probably just ignored their advances because um, I'm oblivious. I'm oblivious. A, a woman can be hitting on me and it, and I would not know that they're hitting on me. I just... I just feel like everybody is nice because I'm nice, right? There are times when women out there think I'm flirting and I'm not. I'm just being nice. Uh, but they take it as oh, Bruce trying to get with me. Bruce is not trying to get with you. Bruce is just being nice because I just genuinely try to be a nice person. But but going back to the women that I've had a romantic past with that listen to the show, I just love the fact that there's no animosity and they could still be a fan of the show and support me. And some will even reach out and just be like, I heard that, I heard that. Or, you know, I really dug what you said as far as that's concerned, or I disagree with that. And it's, and it's all love. The idea, the one will never escape me. But what is escaping me in this 2024 is me paying all these bills myself. I'm tired of that. I don't want to do it no more. It's been 12 years. It's been long enough. I didn't pay my dues. It's time for me to have somebody else to go half on these bills with half a third quarter. Something I need. I need a partner to go half on me with these bills. These bills is killing me. I just want to be able to live a nice, fruitful life <laughs> and, and do more things. I, anybody out there listening, an extra 12,000 in your bank account. Wouldn't be nice to have, I mean, a 12,000 clean, right? Not a 12,000 before taxes. This is 12,000 after taxes, right? This is an extra G in your pocket each month, right? Each month. I would love that. And that's not even, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics of my bills, but a thousand is not half of all my uh, connected bills. It's not, okay? So, that's not even going half. It could be potentially more if we split the bills down the middle. I'm just talking about just give me a little bit of money on this rent. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Give me a little bit of money on this rent. Let's let's put together our cell phones. Let's have two cell phones and one like two lines on one bill. Right. Let's cut these cell phone bills and have the cell phone bills is getting ridiculous. My cable bill. I want to hurt Comcast because my cable bill is so ridiculously expensive. And guess what? I ain't got no damn cable television. It's just the Internet. These bills is look, that's that's what I'm doing. So 2024 is going half on these bills because I'm fed up. I'm fed up of paying these bills all by myself and I don't want to do it no more. So young ladies out there. Not not that young, but, you know, some ladies out there want to go half on a bill <laughs> and want to be in like and want to cohabitate uh, in, in, in cooperation with each other and, and watch out for each other's medical needs. Holler at me because that's that's where I am now. That's where I am. Oh, oh, my goodness. So that's that's my little last little tidbit on my dating life. Oh, uh, not, not I'm not going to talk about this again. Probably not. Probably will. That's a lie. I'm probably going to talk about it. But on that note, I want to thank you all for all the support that you've given the show. Uh, continue to support us. Continue to rock with us. The content is going to get better and better. The interviews are getting better. Uh, I went back and watched it, some of the first interviews and... Uh, I was a robot. I just did check out. I will give you guys advance notice. I just did Dr. Adrian Trebinick's, uh podcast, most popular. We just filmed uh, last week. That podcast should be coming out in March. When it does, I'll give you guys all all the information so you can go check out her podcast. Follow her anyway. She has a very interesting podcast and she has a lot of good interviews on there. But on that note, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time. As always, I'll holla. Woo! That was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock with will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And for all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast. But the real party is on our Patreon page. After Hours Uncensored and Talking Straight-ish. After Hours Uncensored is another show with my sister and once again, the key word there is uncensored. Those are exclusively on our Patreon page. Jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us. That's where you can get all of our audio, video, our blogs, and even buy our merch. And if you really feel ingenuous and want to help us out, you can donate on our donations page. Donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can clearly listen to and that you can clearly see. So any donation would be appreciative. Most importantly, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and watching and supporting us. And I'll catch you next time. Audi 5000. Peace.